This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we are both currently down in Florida Enjoying some sunshine, some football. Sean currently over in Orlando at the All-America event that Under Armour puts on. Seeing some future Penn State Nittany Lions in action. He'll be making the trip on Thursday to Tampa, where I have been since Tuesday. And we've got a lot to catch up on, Sean. We do. We've got recruiting. We've got football. We've got players that uh, I don't even know where we're at with the countdown for opting out. But we've got a few to talk about, I'm sure. Penn State missing at least seven starters, if you include Rasheed Walker in that mix, who came to Tampa on crutches. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about right now. Yeah, six opt-outs plus no Rasheed Walker for this matchup. He is with the program, so reading to that what you will, travel down to Tampa, hasn't moved on at this point, so still looking like he may be with this program next year, something we didn't really foresee going into the 2021 season, but down a lot of guys, and Jahan Dotson made it official earlier this week. We, we projected that. We projected Jaquan Brisker um, hitting the exit door as well. He won't be playing this time around. Derek Tangelo is one to me that I wasn't necessarily anticipating uh, from a mile away, I guess. But you're down Tangelo and Ebikati, the two transfer additions on the defensive front. You're down two starting linebackers in Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith, who led this team in tackles. Number one, Brooks. Number two, Smith. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, who received All-American accolades at safety, no longer part of the equation. And oh, by the way, your top offensive playmaker is out. Arkansas has some missing players, and we'll talk about that with Trey Biddy, who covers the Razorbacks for 24-7 sports. It's a second appearance here in December, but Penn State is really up against it right now, and they're going to need some young players to step up on Saturday. They're going to need some young players. They're going to need some veterans. They're going to be some guys that we might see in other positions. Uh, you reported on earlier on Thursday, Daquan Hardy taking uh, snaps at, at safety uh, just because safety has changed so much. I mean, even with Brisker, or we expected Brisker not to be there, but you lose Jonathan Sutherland, the linebacker, and then all of a sudden you're looking at Jair Brown, Keaton Ellis, and Jalen Reed, and, and you can get by with three, no doubt, but you're going to have to find something to supplement there um, But because you're you're on thin ice at a couple of positions, especially in the back seven of that defense. So there's a lot of guys that you're going to have to lean on. Um, you know, There's going to be uh, freshmen, uh, I don't want to say freshman mistakes or freshman moments and things like that. Uh, you look at Olu Fashanu at left tackle. He's going to get the start, as James Franklin uh, confirmed on Wednesday. Um, so there's just a lot of spots around that on both sides of the ball um, where you're going to see some guys that you weren't expecting to see. I think that's the exciting part about this. I mean, we can talk all day about how much bowls mean, or we could talk about the opt-outs and things like that, but let's not waste everyone's time, yours and I's included. Um, so, you know, we're excited to see guys like Olu Fashano, maybe some of those freshmen, Kobe King, um, who's on the, uh, the the edge of burning his red shirt. It, sound, it sure sounds like from talking to James Franklin, they are going to move ahead and burn his red shirt. Jamari Budden could be in that mix as well. Um, you know, just you look at all over this roster and there's there's opportunity there. And that's the thing. Um, you know, I think Franklin would probably pull out that opportunity is nowhere graphic and opportunity is now here for some people. And it's granted, it's a few more people than we thought it would be. But it, that I think that's kind of what makes it exciting. 
And there is an element to this where, hey, if you're with the team now, for a lot of these guys, you're with the team or you're all in for, for next spring semester. And this is it's all about build crossing that bridge, building toward it, getting beyond seven and five this season. And look, there's going to be guys in that practice field that won't be around next year, but uh, plenty of them. Some of the sixth year guys, John Clifford, Jonathan Sutherland, there's some had decisions to make, notably Jesse Lucetta. But there's a lot of first, second, third year players where. This feels like more so the start of spring practice than the end of the 2021 season. Of course, there's a few months before the actual spring practice. But Olu Fashano is a primary example because they are on thin ice at tackle. They need Olu Fashano to be a, a component there. And if Rashid Walker is back at left tackle as a fourth-year starter in 2022, that solves some of your issues. But we've talked about it at right tackle. Is Caden Wallace a guard? Mike Yersich was asked about that on Thursday morning. And strikingly said that that thought had not entered his brain because they need him at tackle. And he makes a good point. They do need tackles right now, but I don't think that, that, but yeah, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think you wonder right now, or Olush Bashano, can he answer the bell? Um, because James Franklin said that he was in line to start. And, and I think if you read between the lines there and look at the, the timeline, probably for that Rutgers matchup where Penn state was without 20 plus players, including Rashid Walker, Caden Wallace gave it a go. He ended up being sidelined by the second quarter. So it sounds like Olu Fashano was in line to start in that game 11. But as we reported that week, he was not on the practice field. We didn't see him. He was banged up. He's healthy now. And I can tell you from watching some practice reps, he's taking some lumps, but he's winning some battles too. But there is not much in terms of depth. They were loading up Olu Fashano. I think he's their first team and second team left tackle on the practice field right now. And I thought it was interesting looking through the depth chart that you put up, the projected depth chart for Penn State, which was a whale of a task that you took on. Um, there's a lot of guys that you see as first teamers in one spot, second teamers in another spot, second teamers all over the place. I'm pretty sure you have Landon Tangwall as the next man up in three spots on the offensive line. I really should have put him in all five, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's where you're kind of at right now, relying on a, a true freshman as one of your key backups, a guy, you know, who can benefit from those reps, no doubt. But at the end of the day, it's not a great spot to be in. And, uh, you know, but but as we said on the last episode, just get as many tackles ready for 2022 as you can. If you can get Olu Fushanu to be a starter for next year, gives you a ton of options. Of course, Penn State's still looking at the portal for options at offensive tackle and, and also in the interior as well. Hunter Norris adds a guy that we've talked about before um, from Cornell that, that that's a tackle at that level that's probably going to be an interior guy, but they just need pieces that can play. Um, let's be honest, we saw we all saw the offensive line this year. So, um, But yeah, you, you want to get those guys and, and growing pains will be a part of this bowl experience. And I think everybody's going to, or everybody's going to have to accept that, but uh, it's, it's really tough um, to, to forecast what this offensive line is, is going to do on Saturday, just because lack of experience and even the guys that have been around for a while, you know, lack of performance at times. So um, that'll, that'll be fun to watch, man. And I say that in uh, yeah. with a little bit of a, a frog in my throat, because it's going to be, it's going to be tough to watch at times, but you got to go into this with the optimist uh, opportunity here. Uh, the optimist viewpoint where you, you're going to get to see the future. Um, the future will look better than they look on Saturday, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, experience matters. And it's one thing when you look back in a couple of years and maybe they've taken that leap that that we all thought that they, you know, have been able to take the last couple of years just hasn't happened. Um, that's that's the way you got to go into it this weekend. I mean, there's a potential for a, gal a galvanizing situation to come out of this. There's also a potential for it to spiral out of control early on in this matchup. 
Um, I think the offensive line, clearly you're looking for a bounce back effort after a rough regular season from this ground game. Kevon Lee, Juice Scruggs, Noah Kane, guys we've heard from lately saying all the right things, motivated. Kevon Lee says he's taking it personally. That 100-yard uh, absence for, for any running back for Penn State this year, he wants to go out and get that against Arkansas. But, you know, I know people are fired up about Landon Tangwall getting some reps inside at guard. Uh, but the tackle is, is an issue right now. And, and, you know, you're an injury away from being in a real predicament because we haven't seen Bryce Effner at practice down here. We know he's been kind of a guy you can plug inside or outside and Penn State's leaned on him as a backup. They haven't really gone too far down the depth chart at offensive on the offensive line this year. So defensively, though, Sean, that is where you just kind of pick apart holes. And, and let's look at linebacker right now with Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith out of the equation. You're getting Jesse Lucetta back to the mic. That's a role we saw him start at against Ball State earlier this year when, when Ellis Brooks missed the first half because of a, a targeting call against Wisconsin. And then you're seeing Jonathan Sutherland step up at the Sam linebacker position, which is where he started against Rutgers when Curtis Jacobs was among those impacted by the flu. So this is the second time in three games that Jonathan Sutherland will be the starting linebacker at Sam. And according to James Franklin, that is where he's going to stay. Not necessarily in the starting lineup for 2022, but he's going to compete for that job at Sam full on in 2022. James Franklin uh, confirming that during his Wednesday press conference. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's the way to go. I mean, we've got some more safeties coming in. I know the safety depth chart for the Outback Bowl looks pretty bleak, um, at least when I was filling it out and throwing in Sebastian Costantini and Jaden Sider. And no disrespect to those guys, but that's a, that's a long way down there. So um, we'll, I, I think it's okay moving forward at safety. You can go without Sutherland. And as we've talked about Sutherland before, he's been a guy there. He hasn't been a game changer there or anything uh like that i'll be interested to see as you mentioned with linebacker how they work around the other things i mean jesse lucetta who we're expecting to start at mike um you know has been very effective more effective as a defensive end so do you have kobe king do you have tyler elson that can fill in there and curtis jacobs i mean we kind of take for granted uh you know just the way that he played this year was excellent he'll move into the box what does he look like playing that will linebacker spot and how does that impact what his, what his future plans are because i think the, the world of curtis jacobs as you know um but putting him in the box he's, he's a little bit smaller quote unquote he's two almost 230 pounds um but uh, he looks he looks smaller than those other guys out there so um very curious to see what they do in that back seven because corner corner seems fine but other than that they got a lot of work to do on that back seven in terms of finding out who can play and arkansas is not going to let them off the hook because they're going to run straight at him 245-pound quarterback, a really good running game, one of the best running games in the SEC. Um, so that that defense, as good as it was all year, is going to look very different. And the results, you know, I'm expecting Penn State's going to have to to muscle up, maybe play some Amin Van over at defensive end, maybe um, try to be prepared. And I know it's kind of taboo to mention this, but try to be prepared for a similar attack to the, what we saw in the Illinois game because we've been trying to put that one out of our mind for a couple of months now because uh, Arkansas is going to want to run the ball. Penn State's going to have to uh, have to muscle up and, and stop them. And Arkansas is without Traylon Burks, who uh, 45 more catches than anyone else on the roster. So, yeah, they're going to want to run the football. They're going to do it with their quarterback. They're going to do it with an assemblage of running backs. And Nick Tarburn acknowledged that it's a man-up kind of game for this defense. He says he's enthusiastic to see what the younger players do, guys who are getting opportunities to play, guys who, quite frankly, have been saying they should be playing more, thinking they should be playing more. Now is that chance against the number 21 team in the AP poll. Uh, and, and look, Arkansas right now, they're not necessarily at full strength, but there's a good point that that, that people, some people are making uh, here is, you know, how much do you want to be there? And that's every bowl. You turn on the TV night by night, and you can kind of see 
Okay, maybe they weren't locked in for the last month and or the last couple of weeks before the bowl game. The energy seems good on the practice field. Like I said, I feel like the guys who are with this team right now are locked in with this team. But let's be honest, the guys who aren't with this team are pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, that's a huge chunk of your defense. And I'll, I'll be interested to see if Penn State changes anything. I know Poindexter is calling the defense now, um, but do, do you run a five-man front against uh, against this? Do you do you bring in, you know, you got a bunch of defensive tackles. Do you bring in a Mulber or a Vanover or something like that to give you some extra beef up front? Um, and and that's, that's kind of the other funny thing is you look at what Arkansas does so well, and that's run the football, um, and they're missing their biggest passing attack. Does that take Daquan Hardy out of the game? And, and does that take your nickel set, which, you know, at times has been your base set this year? What do you do with him? Do you just move him to safety? I mean, you, you've got options. Um, they're not ideal options, but you've got options to try and change up your defense and, and figure out different ways to, uh, to stop the run. Cause I think, Arkansas will probably run the ball 70% of the of time. And obviously game flow will, will determine how things work with that. But at the same time, you've got to, you've got to avoid that Illinois game at all costs and, you know, keep Arkansas. If you do go, give up big runs, keep Arkansas out of the end zone and, and make them settle for field goals. And as you mentioned with Hardy a little bit earlier, I did confirm after seeing him work on the practice field with Anthony Poindexter in the safeties, that is something that has surfaced here in the postseason of late and, Quite frankly, we could see him very early in the matchup at the safety position. He's done an outstanding job as a nickelback this year, but Dick One Hardy maybe uh, used a little. I don't know if that's something that carries over to 2022, but in this moment, it's what they need. And apparently, the staff thinks he could be a fit there. That's why we're seeing him get run with the safeties on the practice field. And in terms of guys who are going to get run, I mean, remember the Wisconsin matchup in week one and how few names were on the participation report? I think this is going to be rotation city in a lot of different positions. And that includes linebacker. We talked about the starting trio, Curtis Jacobs, Jesse Lucetta, Jonathan Sutherland. For one, Jonathan Sutherland, this is the second start of the position. Um, and I think you want to get a look uh, at some other guys. Uh, this is a big opportunity to get film on guys and get them experience. And then Jesse Lucetta, we just mentioned it. Arnold Ebicati is out of the equation. He's your top edge rusher. Jesse Lucetta had a lot of success, not necessarily in the sack department, but just being a disruptive presence off the edge and, and the kind of presence you want in a matchup like this against Arkansas, Anthony Poindexter saying they've got to kind of balance it out and figure out how much do they want to use Jesse at the Mike linebacker, how much do they want to use in that defensive end while also factoring in it's going to be 80 degrees, a little bit different than what you're normally used to playing. And so I think that means Kobe King, maybe Jamari Budden, like you said, Franklin said red shirts will be burned essentially. Um, those are the only two guys. This is no mystery when he says, hey, we're going to have to probably burn some red shirts on Saturday. There's only two guys who could possibly be talking about. Jamari Button's at four games. Kobe King is at four games. We haven't even seen Kobe King play since the Indiana matchup, Sean. He played in four of the first five games. He's been on the shelf since then. Certainly, they wanted to redshirt him. Uh, but opt-outs happen. Other things happen. Jamari Button had to step up and play in the Rutgers game. So that was the fourth game for him. What other guys having the flu? Whether you like it or not, uh, you know, it looks like both of these guys, I think, are going to be sophomores rather than redshirt freshmen, and that's just Penn State making the adjustments they need. And I think what we hear about Kobe King around the program right now in the postseason, really, really like uh, – I mean, I'm really excited to see what he does on Saturday, but more so I'm excited to see what he looks like coming out of the end of spring practice next year because it sounds like he is turning some heads. I, I, I'd agree with that. I, I think you, you play him and you kind of – um, you know, say that begrudgingly because, you know, you, you would like to save that extra year for him. But, you know, in today's college football, does that extra year, you know, come around all that often? So it's a good question there um, with, with Kobe King. 
put him in the middle. Um, you know, he's played Will. He's played Mike, smart kid, just uh, a guy that, uh, you know, has has really impressed people, probably more physically impressive than than they thought he would be, more athletic than they thought he would be. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. And because you do that, you give yourself a chance to have a pass rush. I mean, you look at what Penn State has at defensive end right now. You're losing your pass rusher in Arnold Epikiti, um, but you've got Nick Tarburton and Smith Vilbert there on the edge. Those guys aren't pass rushers. I mean, those guys are, are not going to be guys that, that get to the quarterback on third down. Maybe Zariah Fisher is that guy. Um, but but right now, you're kind of seeing their approach to the portal is to find a guy that can get to the quarterback, not necessarily find a guy that can be another Tarbert and that can be another Smith Vilbert. So uh, I, I think that's kind of what you're seeing there. And you're looking at, um, at Lucetta as a potential answer there, which he, he kind of has to be. You know, he's if anybody's going to be after the quarterback, it either has to come from second level pressure or Jesse Lucetta off the edge. I get the feeling that this defense at its best on Saturday would be Kobe King at middle linebacker. If he's ready for it, we, you know, we, we don't know what the staff knows, but if he's at middle linebacker and, and playing quality football and Jesse Lucetta can play defensive end, to me, that gives you probably your best mix in the front seven. Um, just because right now, like you said, defensive end, uh, it, it's it's a little scary. Uh, you know, Smith Bilbert is being touted as a guy who could break out in this Outback Bowl. He's in year three on campus. You know, that's something that we're going to need to see for ourselves transpire on the field against Arkansas. Um, but in, in terms of guys getting after quarterback, I'm going to circle Curtis Jacobs' name in this matchup, maybe as a blitzer. He seems like the, the guy in the front seven that could disrupt the pocket, could force some things with K.J. Jefferson and maybe match up with him from a physicality and athletic standpoint because this quarterback creates a lot of problems for Penn State with his legs, just as he does with his arm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's going to kind of be like, what you would expect playing against Will Levis. I mean, this is a big guy mm-hmm. can move uh, the line. You know, if he's if he's run, he's a runner, um, can throw the ball a mile uh, like Levis. I mean, I don't know if he's he's the most accurate guy out there either. And he doesn't have Traylon Burks, his his number one target. Um, so that's going to play into how much they probably throw the ball, how much they throw the ball down the field. This to me is a game that's going to be played closer to the line of scrimmage on both sides, especially without those top two wideouts. Um, so you you've got. Uh, an opportunity to to put a bunch of guys in the box and try and slow it down. And I think that that's probably the game plan on, on both sides. You mentioned the running game for Penn State a little bit earlier, how they've taken that personally. I mean, you can take that personally all you want, but you, they just haven't produced. And they haven't been yeah. as good as they need them to be. So um, will that improvement come tomorrow or come on Saturday? Excuse me. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we've seen we, we haven't seen enough to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's going to break nope. out. So <laughs> no. um, they said they want to inject some juice in the run game. They're going to need it. I don't know how it's where it's going to come from or how it's going to happen, but they're uh, they're going to need to uh, to splash some runs in there and, and keep moving the chains. Yeah, it's uh, looking like Kevon Lee, Noah Kane, no surprise there, but the two lead backs for, for Penn State going into this matchup. And uh, Sean, when we look at uh, some of the younger guys we're hearing about, someone's got to replace Jahan Dotson. Well, not replace him, but they got to find ways to create big plays, the kind that are now not it, it, not available for Jahan Dotson now that he's focused on the NFL. So Malik Mega seems as good a, a shot of anybody to take the ball the distance at any moment in the game on one single touch. And you watch him on the practice field. We've said this about a few guys in the past, and they didn't ultimately pan out always, but he's about as good looking of a, of a player as a prospect as you'll see in this entire practice field for Penn State right now. And the fact that it's only his second year on campus speaks volumes about where he could be this time next year. But right now, he's someone that teammates, coaches are talking about. This could be a setting for him to really serve as a springboard for 2022, assert himself. I don't know if he starts this game, Sean, and that's something I should probably say up front. You're going to see starters in this game that might make you scratch your head, might make you want to pull your hair out and say, why is this guy getting reps? We should be feeding them to the younger players. 
keep in mind that the starter doesn't necessarily translate to the most snaps in the game. I think Eric Wilson at left guard is one of those situations. Maybe Cam Sullivan Brown uh, at, at wide receiver. But I think regardless, Mega will get some run. And, man, this is a great opportunity to see what he's about. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn in terms of how much we see a third receiver just based on what mm -hmm. they have with Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson and even Tyler Warren. You could throw him in there. So I expect a bunch of tight end, you know, two receivers, two tight end sets. Um, not necessarily in the traditional form where you've got two tight ends flanked on the end of the line with their hands in the dirt. Um, but, you know, you can move those guys around and create mismatches. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think Mega presents some upside that, that Sullivan Brown doesn't. Um, you know, I think probably – judging with snaps. I mean, I don't know that you have to have mega out there all the time, um, but if you get him out there, you know, a certain number of snaps, you can have him be more effective than if he was out there for, for 60 plays or, or something like that. So um, I agree with you. I, I still don't think it's his time per se, um, but you, you've got an opportunity to get him going for 2022. And that's always kind of what's been circled with him came in as a raw prospect, a really good athlete, um, had guys in front of him that were obviously more ready to play. And that's the funny part here. We're talking about young guys, Malik Mega. He's the same class as Parker Washington, who's a two-year starter for Penn State. And so, Keandre Lambert-Smith, um, yeah. Yeah, and Keandre Lambert-Smith as well. Um, so you've got uh, a couple of different expectation levels there. As we've talked about that all the time on the podcast, the expectation level versus the actual reality. Those have come to come to fruition at, at, at wideout. So interested to see that. I'm also interested to see how Arkansas plays Penn State because it was, as we've seen throughout the season, you play two deep safeties, you take away that deep ball, you make Penn State do things in front of you, and that's where they have issues. So I, th I expect them to do that as well. So that's where I see a guy like Washington, a guy like Keandre Lambert-Smith playing those underneath routes that we saw that Michigan was so successful with this year, those drag routes and, and things of that nature. Um, I think that's where Penn State can maybe slip into the secondary and, and get those big plays. I don't know if it's going over top of the defense if it's going to be the the big play for Penn State. But if you're able to, to, to break those guys free and make them – give them a little bit of room to run in the secondary, they can break some tackles and maybe make some big plays. And that's what Penn State's going to need. It's going to need big plays this weekend. Arkansas head coach uh, Sam Pittman acknowledged that he views the Penn State tight ends as a threat, as a challenge dealing with them. They've been a bit hit or miss game to game this season, but a, a good opportunity here, as you said, feels like we're going to see a lot of all three of these tight ends, a lot of a lot of two tight end packages. And this is the kind of talent and, and this is the kind of setting without Jahan Dotson where Sean Clifford is going to need some new safety nets Maybe he discovers one of those guys in a Brenton Strange at Theo Johnson. Tyler Warren made some late movement. I really like where he's coming along. Um, but, but, Sean, I, th I think when you look at overall, Parker Washington, it's his debut as target number one. I mean, this is this is the next step in his career. He's done everything you've asked of him to do. He has been that wide receiver, too, that Penn State has desperately lacked in, in recent years when K.J. Hamler was, was wide receiver one. Of course, he had Pat Fryermuth then. But it has been a really nice balance in the wide receiver room. Jahan Dotson's gone now. I really want to see how Parker Washington responds to this moment because um, he's going to be counted on in a big way. And I mean, James Franklin and Taylor Stubblefield, they've sing the praises of this guy where his career could go. And this is, a, you know, kind of a pivot moment in his career now uh, with Jahan Dotson out of the picture. It was funny. Uh, we had him at Bowl Media Day a couple of weeks ago and, and obviously was expecting Jahan to opt out. So I'm pushing questions in his direction. Jahan obviously had not done that uh, publicly yet, um, but kind of looking down and scratching, you know, just kind of he, he knew he was going to be the top option, um, but he wanted to talk around it. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he handles himself as the number one uh, big Parker Washington fan, as you, as you know. Um, but he's going to have a big opportunity to take that next step and establish himself. And as we've seen um, in the last couple of years, uh, 
that there's a lot to be there. There's a lot there for the taking as a, as a receiver, as a guy that can step up and, you know, be in that role that Dotson's been in the last two years, in that role that Hamler was in a couple of years ago. That's, that's a pretty big spotlight right there. I think he's, he's talented enough to be in it. Um, but, but again, he's got to take a, yeah, another step. Keandre Lambert Smith has to take another step and, and, everybody around him, I mean, Clifford included, needs to, to, to be on that train as well. So I'm very curious to see what happens because if this is a team that can't establish a consistent passing game, that that's one where they fall behind and, um, you know, the big plays might be few and far between because of it. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how this passing game clicks, um, you know, how Clifford handles himself. I'm, I'm hopeful that he is as healthy as he's been since uh, pre-Iowa game. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to have to find somebody to step up and be that number one guy. I think Parker Washington will be that number one guy. Will it happen on Saturday? I mean, it's still very much up in the air. Yeah. Clifford, I think the second half of the season uh, cumulatively over the final six games was in negatives for rushing yards. Whereas the, you know, the first half of that game, he was getting 30, 40 yard games as a runner. Can he be that guy against Arkansas? Has he had the, the opportunity to heal up um, and utilize those legs, not necessarily as a runner, but evading pressure, creating more opportunities downfield, a little improvisation? Feels like that was missing from the toolkit a bit down the stretch for Penn State. Speaking of wide receivers, though, coming soon and, to State and, College. And, and before, hey, before, oh, you, yeah. before you move on, before you move on uh, what did James yeah. Franklin say about Jefferson this week? I, I, they don't have a game next week, or they don't have a game anytime soon. Right. Um, so he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be healthy. And I know that's kind of a cynical way to, to say it, but you could say the same about Sean Clifford. I mean, you if you need him to run, um, you're more apt to do it when there's nothing on the schedule for the next couple of months. All right, let me try that again. Coming soon to State College and to the wide receiver room, Caden Saunders, you were in Orlando for a reason. Part of it was to see Mr. Saunders in action at the Under Armour All-America practice field. Drew Shelton is there, incoming offensive tackle. Uh, Katron Allen is on the roster, running back coming to Penn State in a matter of weeks as well. Um, I saw the, the video you posted of a really impressive one-handed snag that, that Caden Saunders put up there. doesn't sound like he was able to finish the night, um, but tell us what you're seeing in Orlando and, and what you're hearing about these Penn State not just commits anymore, I should say signees. Yeah, signees. It's, it's changed the game in terms of uh, what we what we see with availability and everything like that at, at the Under Armour game because all these guys or most of these guys are signed. I know Brian Doan, I'm sitting in his hotel room right now doing this podcast, is, has been chasing down some of the uncommitted guys, and it used to be 50 or 60 of these guys. And now all of a sudden all these guys are signed and what are you going to do? So um, that's a, that's a whole, a, that's a whole nother story, but I'm here to see three Penn state commits. And unfortunately uh, for practice this morning, two of them not dressed with injuries. I don't think we're going to see Caden Saunders in this game. Um, Katron uh, Allen, probably still up in the air. He's been nursing a knee thing. Caden Saunders aggravated his hamstring. I will say before he did that, he looked awesome. I mean, just out here running out of the slot, making guys miss. Um, you know that that one-handed catch was was one thing, but I missed the uh, the first rep where he ran a smash fade and just left the guy in the dust. Made a great smooth catch. Um, short area quickness is very good. Speed is obviously very good. Um, he just brings something a little bit different to the table, and, and you know he's going to draw those KJ Hamler comparisons. Uh, I was talking to to, to Chris uh, was it Henderson um, they were from twenty four seven Sports who is down here, absolutely loves the kid, just in terms of his ability to start and stop is elite compared to some of the other guys in this in this class. So um, very curious to see how that transitions when he gets to Penn State in a couple of weeks. But unfortunately, we're not going to see that down here um, in Orlando for Under Armour. The third guy that's out here, Drew Shelton, the offensive lineman. First time I've seen Drew in a while in person. Uh, looks great, 275 pounds, uh, one of the better builds here. They've got him playing guard and a little bit of center with uh, with one-on-ones. He's more than held his 
zone. Don't know that he's going to start the game on Saturday. And also last night was a non-padded practice. So there really wasn't anything you could take away from the offensive line portion of that. Um, but he seems to be holding his own, seems to be doing well. It's just unfortunate with this, uh, with the way that they've uh, run this. There's a lot of guys that are banged up and a lot of guys that probably won't play at practice and in the game or something like that. And unfortunately today, two of those, two of those guys were Penn state commits. Before you get bombarded with comments about that comment you just made, Drew Shelton playing guard and center for a team that is starting for tackles, his outlook in Penn State is tackle. He'll play tackle. Okay, so let's just let's just uh, address that real fast. Could for could be a sw- could be a swing guy, but I mean, sure. given what's on the roster, given where he's at, uh, I, I expect to see him at tackle. All right, good stuff from Sean. You can follow his coverage out of Orlando on Lions247.com. A bunch going on down there in the 24-7 sports uh, recruiting team, including Brian Doan, on the site. Sean, we had a chance to catch up with Trey Biddy just a moment ago. We're going to get to that interview right now. Uh, here's Trey Biddy, who's down in Tampa, covering the Arkansas Razorbacks for 24-7 sports. We bring back on Trey Biddy. You heard from him just a few weeks ago here in the Lions 24-7 podcast, a couple days after this bowl matchup was announced. And if you hadn't noticed, December has changed the complexion of this game in a lot of ways. We have fixated on Penn State's opt-outs and who's not available for them, but there is certainly some adjustment being made over on Arkansas' side. Trey, give us the lowdown on who Arkansas has lost in December, and we'll start there. Well, it hasn't been anything like Penn State, obviously. Uh, last time we talked, I was saying that I didn't expect Traylon Burks to opt out of the bowl game. But, uh, you know, I think the more he looked at it, being a first-round draft pick and stuff and talking to agents, I'm sure, uh, decided to opt out of the game. And that's I think that's a bigger loss for Arkansas uh, than it is Dotson for Penn State because Penn State, you look at their – you know, they've got guys with 57 catches and stuff like that. And they've got guys that have, have stepped up and been there for them, some promising young players and stuff. Arkansas hasn't had a consistent playmaker like that. Maybe Warren Thompson would be the closest guy that could fill in there. So I do think that's a bigger loss on the offensive side of the ball for Arkansas than it is for Penn State, even though Dotson's a fantastic player. I just think they have more that can make up. Now, defensively, it's a different story. Since we talked last, Arkansas has lost Trey Williams. He was arrested for suspicion of DWI and announced an opt-out. He would have been suspended for the game anyway uh, with the arrest. But uh, he's a big loss, too. He leaves Arkansas with six sacks over at the right end spot. They do have a good number of defensive ends that they can kind of rotate in there who have had some success this season. So they should be okay there. And aside from that, that's really it. You know, talking to a lot of the players and stuff, there's definitely a sense. And that's kind of been a narrative, it feels like, all college football season the team that wants to be there and the team that nah, doesn't maybe doesn't want to be there. The thing is, sometimes you don't really know until you get there, but certainly looks like from, you know, an indication of having what five defensive players for Penn state opt out of this bowl game, especially right up the middle defensive tackle linebacker safety, right up the middle of that defense. That's, that's gotta be a scary proposition. Although, you know, you guys know as well as I do, when you look at Penn state from 2017 to now, usually recruiting classes rank somewhere between about sixth and 16th nationally. So, you know, they've recruited well, uh, but Arkansas obviously has a lot of players coming back, and they could have had several players that opt out. Monteric Brown at cornerback is a guy that's going to get drafted if he just chooses to come out, which I think he will. John Ridgeway at nose tackle is another guy that's going to get drafted who probably could have opted out. Bumper pool at, at middle linebacker. And then you've got other players. You know, Grant Morgan has a chance to get drafted. You know, Hayden Henry playing his last game at linebacker. Uh, Joe Fouché is another guy playing his last game. So there's like seven guys on defense for Arkansas that are possibly playing their last game that – that have decided to stick around and play. So not as big of a, an opt-out uh, scene for Arkansas. 
So Burks is, is opting out. Um, that doesn't kill the passing game, but it takes away a big part of the passing game, as you said. But yeah. Sam Pittman's got to be happy that he's going to be he's going to get to run the ball on Saturday. I mean, what? How do you see that with everything that Penn State's losing? How do you see that changing Arkansas's approach uh, with uh, you know just with everything going on? Do you expect them to run the ball seventy percent of the time or so on Saturday? I, I could definitely see it happening. I mean, when you, you talk about, you know, what I just mentioned with right up the middle of Penn State's defense, you know, having players opt out and Arkansas likes to run the ball. I mean, they're one of the best running teams in the country. And I thought James Franklin at the joint press conference on Wednesday made a really good point about KJ Jefferson, who goes about 245 pounds at quarterback for Arkansas is a really good runner. And, you know, there's not a game after this one, <laughs> you know, so it's, open it up and let him go. There's no, there's no like protecting him, keeping him healthy for next week, which is kind of interesting when you look at Arkansas's game against Ole Miss where they really unleashed him and he was kind of banged up the next week for the Auburn game and they kind of struggled against Auburn the following week. But there's no Auburn game after this one. There's no opponent. So uh, you can run Penn State against Penn State up the middle over and over again with, with K.J. Jefferson. I think that's what they'll do. They got a 245-pound quarterback, 235-pound running back, and Dominic Johnson also, who's a real bull. And both of those guys have not been 100% all season. K.J.'s been dealing with a knee injury uh, since the Georgia game. It slowed him down a little bit. Dominic Johnson also had a bit of a knee injury right when he started taking over as a starting running back. And they've got other guys, Rocket Sanders, another guy who's a freshman, 6'2", 225, who has a lot of speed, obviously named Rocket for a reason, uh, but has a lot of speed. Traylon Smith, who's a senior back, a smaller guy who can kind of come in and mix it up. And uh, A.J. Green is another one. So they've got a stable of, of running backs that they can throw at Penn State. And, you know, they will run the ball – 40-something times a game, I would expect that to, to remain the same, and, and we'll see what they do because you're going to have – I mean, Penn State's too talented. Even with the opt-outs, you're going to have to keep them honest. So uh, it would be big for Arkansas if they could maybe hit a big play, maybe take the top off. Warren Thompson for all the wide receivers, uh, you know, that could fill in for Burks, he's probably the guy that's capable of taking the top off of the defense. So look for Arkansas maybe to to try to throw one deep early and and see if they can, uh, they can make those uh, safeties stop trying to cheat up on them. During the regular season, uh, Burks had 45 more catches than anyone else on this roster for Arkansas. Um, does it feel like this game is more so than ever in the hands of K.J. Jefferson? By the way, uh, Anthony Poindexter, the interim defensive coordinator for Penn State this week, saying he, he, Jefferson can throw the ball a mile and then turn into a power back. Yeah, yeah Jefferson's really done a good job at throwing the deep ball this season. In fact, probably his best pass is the deep ball. And and I think part of that is is based on the fact that teams are afraid of him running the ball. So it has opened up that aspect for him. But uh, yeah, I, I really think that Arkansas will probably look to KJ Jefferson and say, hey, go win this game for us. Go win it with your legs. Go win it with your arm. And you're right about that again with Burks. It's it's a pretty significant drop off. I mean, there's some guys with, you know, Tyson Morris is, is a, a super senior. Devion Warren is a super senior. Both those guys start for Arkansas. Warren Thompson is a he's a junior. He's a transfer from Florida State, but he's an older player. So they have some guys with some experience like that. And another guy to watch out for, actually a couple of guys, Blake Kern in the in the passing game at tight end uh, has been good for them in terms of like a possession type of receiver. Uh, Trey Knox is a guy that played wide receiver for them. It's about 225 now. His goal is to get up to about 250 next year. But for right now, he's kind of a wide receiver slash tight end, moves inside and outside. But he's made some big catches for him excuse me, made some big catches for them down the stretch also this season. But absolutely, to your point, I, I can absolutely see them say, hey, KJ, win it with your legs, win it with your arm, just go out and do whatever you have to do to win this game. 
defensively, obviously Arkansas not hit as hard by the opt-out. So what, what do you do if you're Penn State here? Where do you attack uh, to find a soft spot in that Razorback defense? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you you throw the ball, just what Penn State has done all year. And Arkansas has been pretty good against the pass uh, all season, but uh, they do have some weaknesses, no question about it. I think they, they're pretty strong at safety. Uh, Monteric Brown is an NFL cornerback. They, they're really strong at linebacker. They have a trio of senior linebackers that have just been kind of the heartbeat of this team on defense. Uh, I like them up front on the defensive line, but – uh, there's there's a couple of spots here, you know, here and there where you can beat Arkansas. The nickel play has been, you know, hit and miss kind of. Uh, the other cornerback spot with Hudson Clark and Ladarius Bishop has kind of been definitely the weak point uh, for them on on the defensive side of the ball. They don't bring a lot of pressure. You know, usually you're going to see, and I would fully expect in this one also to see more of a three two, or excuse me, yeah, three two six look for Arkansas's defense. So there's not really like a true edge guy to come after the quarterback. You look at the stats. Arkansas doesn't put produce a whole lot of sacks. They do a good job, however, of, of getting tackles for loss. But it, it just shows you they don't get to the quarterback a whole lot, and they're without Trey Williams. So, you know, it's not so much that Arkansas doesn't have good defensive backs. It's that sometimes the quarterback just has a lot of time, and you really can't cover anybody for more than four seconds. The the balance when Arkansas has been in its best on offense has really shown through in 2021, some of their finer moments. But let's say that Penn State with their defensive secondary certainly looking like the bright spot right now after some of these opt-outs, even with Jaquan Brisker out of the mix, if they're able to have success against the Arkansas aerial attack, and that sustains early in the game, can Arkansas get it done, get a win by leaning heavily on the ground, or do you think it needs to strike a balance? Well, balance might be a tricky word. Uh, you know, I, I think that they need to make sure that that Penn State trusts them to be able to throw the ball and to be able to beat them that way. And, you know, kind of like I talked, maybe taking the top off the defense. But, uh, you know, if Arkansas can get things going with the, with the ground game and if K.J. Jefferson has some success, especially early run in the game, Penn State's not going to have any choice but to creep up and and try to stop that. And when they do that, that's obviously, you know, the old saying goes, you know, that's that's when you beat them over the top. So um, it's going to be a balance in terms of making sure that they know you can do either one if you need to. But Arkansas is still going to want to run the ball. Where, where do the big plays come from? I think we're, we're probably both going to ask this question, you know, covering mm-hmm. Penn State, covering Arkansas this week. But you think about this game and you think about how you that that script is probably how we think it's going to play out a lot of running the ball running the clock and things like that it's going to be a couple of big plays that might swing this thing where do they come from on the arkansas side well arkansas will throw some trick plays out every once in a while i mean they on special teams they've had a couple of successful fake field goals that they've tried one of them went for a touchdown one was a big first down um you know they've done some throwback passes and things of that nature but uh you know again i think it goes back to kj jefferson he is capable like we hear a lot of things about quarterbacks being a dual threat quarterback and stuff. And a lot of times that just means the guy can buy time with his feet. KJ is a legitimate threat, not only to run past you at 245 pounds, but also will plow over you. You know, I, I can remember back to the Texas game and Sam Pittman said this, but he he ran right at the Texas safety. He was, you know, deep into the third level of the defense and ran right at the Texas safety just to show him that this was all day. This was coming at you all day because He's a load to bring down. And, um, you know, and, and again, you know, sometimes you think he's about to plow over you and he can make a little move and and cut up the middle. And again, he's he's not been 100 percent with his knee uh, for, for some time now. And the KJ we saw earlier in the year felt like he broke off a few more big runs. So that could be probably where Arkansas looks to 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 get more uh, big plays. I mean, it really feels like the way it's shaping up, you know, that 
this is going to be a big game for KJ Jefferson if Arkansas is going to win. My last one for you here, Trey. We heard from Sam Pittman, and he made a good point. If you're looking for the Arkansas and Penn States that finish the regular season, you're not going to find them in Tampa. These are two different teams. I'll tell you what, we have our predictions coming up for the game here on the podcast. I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to land. How do you see this one playing out as we're now less than 48 hours away from getting into Raymond James Stadium and seeing this transpire? Yeah, well, I mean, I just have to look at things on the surface right now, and um, it kind of goes along with just the narrative that we see with with college football. Does, does Penn State really want to be here? Are they who, who's more different <laughs> from what they've you know put together and you know the cohesion and everything that they built throughout the season? Who's more different? And to me, it's it's Arkansas is is more consistent, and Penn State's a lot more different. Uh, you know, with, just with the, with whatever you know everything that's going on with the defensive side of the ball. So I do think it's going to be a close game, but I, I'm going to give the edge to Arkansas in this one. All right, Trey, we appreciate it. See you in the press box at Raymond James Stadium. Enjoy Tampa. We'll be seeing you around. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Trey for his time. We'll see what transpires on Saturday. I mean, it is so tough. We'll have our predictions here in a second. He's leaning Razorbacks, and I can't blame him. I mean, it's hard to go all in on picking Penn State right now when we have so many questions about the holes they need to fill and who actually is going to step up and fill those holes. You have to have a very optimistic viewpoint uh, that, that everything's going to fall into place, that Penn State can able to, to come up with answers on the offensive line uh, from a playmaking perspective on offense. And then, of course, stopping this Arkansas rush attack, number three in the SEC, a quarterback who can get it done. Um, and, and I'm just not really ready to get there with Penn State. I flew down here thinking I might end up picking Penn State. I'm going to go with Arkansas. Um, I'm seeing something like 27-24. Um, this one could just get out of hand. For, uh, if Penn State is, is not mentally up to the task. But I should say, uh, we haven't been covering Arkansas. I mean, I know Trey has. I don't know what the vibe is with their team. I don't know how ready they are to get into this game and face this Penn State team and, and, and the, you know, the toolkit that Penn State has. They've got you – know, this is a team that has recruited well, um, and that's going to be tested in terms of their depth today uh, on Saturday. Uh, but that's where I land right now, Sean. I think Penn State's going to finish seven and six. I do think it'll be a, a close game. I could see Arkansas jumping out to to a two possession lead early on, and Penn State trying to dig itself out of a hole. A, a little reminiscent of, of what we saw happen at the Citrus Bowl with Kentucky back in 2018 versus Penn State. Um, but again, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Penn State came home with a win. We just have no read on this team because it's not the same team we covered when they played Michigan State on November 27th. When we covered Penn State all year long, all the questions were on the offensive side of the ball. And now you add defensive questions to the mix. That's that's a tough one to swallow right there. Um, mm -hmm. Arkansas is going to try to run the ball. They probably will be successful running the ball. It's about keeping them out of the end zone. Um, but with Penn State, you take away Jahan Dotson. You take away a big um, safety blanket for Sean Clifford. You take away your big play guy um, on the offensive side of the ball. So I... I have a tough time seeing this one come together. You're going to need big plays. You're going to need splash plays. Um, it has not been there in the running game. You're going to need Parker Washington and Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange to step up, catch a lot of balls. And uh, I have questions about if Penn State gets behind, um, you know, how how apt are they to come back and, and throw the ball around and, and get back where they need to be? Because um, if you stack a couple of three and outs, if you're Penn State, you're going to be in trouble. So I have Arkansas winning 20 to 10, uh, kind of a, a hat tip to Tony Davis there. But uh, sorry, don't just saw me make my prediction. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with that because I, I, I think it's a low scoring game. I think it's a lot of clock chewed up with running games and things like that. And, um, you know, you're going to need a turnover. You're going to need a big play on special teams. And I'm just not sure 
with all the questions that Penn State has in, in, in both facets or, or in all three facets right now, where those are going to come from. So I have Arkansas winning this game as well. There are various ways this game could be lost. The, the outcome on the scoreboard could be all over the place, but 20 to 10 and seeing Sean Clifford and Mike Yersich head home back to State College for year two together, coming off of a clunker like that. And I'm assuming if they score 10 points, people aren't going to be thrilled with the way Sean Clifford played. That's an, that's an annoyingly large looming cloud over this offense and the QB offensive coordinator conversation. Look, reading to it what you will with the bowl game, it, it's an exhibition. Maybe we shouldn't attach too much of it and apply it to 2022. But, I mean, perception is important uh, on the recruiting trail, and perception is important for people like you and I who sit in front of microphones and talk about it all offseason. So really curious to see what kind of Sean Clifford we get here um, on Saturday because if he comes out and he's dialed in and he's moving the ball with his legs and he's getting it downfield, even with without Jahan Dotson for the first time in a long time, he's able to move it through the air, then that says a lot of great things. If he comes out and it's a deer in the headlights, then you go into this offseason you're saying – how quickly can a guy like Drew or Bo or Christian be ready to take the reins? And we've talked for a long time about Franklin's loyalty with Sean Clifford. Now, for the sake of our conversations here on the podcast and for the sake of, of Sean Clifford and the questions he's going to receive over the next three, four months before spring practice, I personally hope that that number 14 goes out, plays a good game. And I, and I think he will. That's why I've got them scoring 24 points. But defensively, I just can't hang my hat on what Penn State was able to accomplish during the regular season because – the all big 10 players essentially are, are no longer part of that equation. Yeah. I mean, it's taking starters away is, is one thing when they're all big 10 guys, that's, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. I will be curious to see if Penn state does go back to running Sean Clifford a little bit more, uh, maybe slowing down the game, you know, getting that clock moving. And I think both, both teams will probably chew up a bunch of clock tomorrow or on Saturday, excuse me. Um, so I, I, I don't know, man, there's just so many questions out there and, uh, I'm going to enjoy the game regardless because yeah. I'm on the op the optimist side says there there are young guys to get a look at here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, let's call it as it is. It's going to be tough for Penn State to come out without eight starters or seven or eight starters and turn this into a, a quality performance. So maybe we're proven wrong. I hope we are. Um, you know, that definitely would like to see more than ten points myself. But uh, this could be a game where it's uh, where, where points are tough to come by. Uh, Penn State, 7-5, and five, uh, facing an Arkansas squad. Second time they're playing a top 25 opponent out of the SEC in this season. So, again, something to be gained here. Those are things that you can tweet out graphics of after the game if you can pick up a win here. There's ways to, to manipulate a bowl victory throughout your offseason. But if you come home 7-6, and six, more questions uh, for James Franklin and company. We'll find out how it all goes down and when the game is over. Sean and I will join you uh, from here in Tampa and talk about everything, turn the page a little bit. And then we're resetting. It's the offseason. We got the early enrollees coming through, but still the matchup to look ahead to Saturday. Sean, drive safely uh, from Orlando. We'll see you here, I think, tonight. Uh, Lance, thanks for doing your part as a producer behind the scenes. And, of course, to, to our buddy Trey Biddy for hopping on with us once again and, and giving us an update on Arkansas as they enter this contest. I'm Tyler Donahue. Uh, on behalf of everyone here, this is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Thanks for listening. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.